Welcome to the Graceful Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Debick, the founder of Life Coaching with Lauren, a female empowerment coach, an entrepreneur, empath, and a lover of the ego-friendly lifestyle. My mission is to help women take control of their lives by teaching them how to increase their confidence in an authentic and genuine way so they can achieve both personal and professional goals. Each week on the Graceful Confidence Podcast, I will share ways to increase your confidence, tips on how to integrate grace into your life, as well as stories and advice from other experts on how, as women, we can better empower ourselves and those around us. I will show you exactly how to use the power of confidence and grace to create an empowering and invigorating life that you are excited about waking up to every single day. Now, let's dive in. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I am so excited because I have the opportunity to interview someone that I truly consider um, a mentor and someone who introduced me to the entire field of coaching. It wasn't until I met Carolyn Maui that I even knew this could be a job and a profession and a career. So I am so excited to have uh, Carolyn here tonight. Carolyn, thank you for being here. Oh, it's so wonderful to be here, Lauren. I'm, you know, I'm one of your biggest fans and uh, it's, I'm always very happy to talk about uh, coaching and leadership development. Thank you so much. So I'm going to read a quick bio for you because your your resume is so, so impressive. So Carolyn Maui is the executive coach, consultant, and president of the Maui Center. As a successful entrepreneur and communicator, Carolyn is an expert in dealing with people issues in the workplace, consistently yielding positive change and growth for the organizations she serves. Carolyn supports executive and emerging leaders in identifying their strengths and opportunities for development, clarifying goals for growth, and implementing effective practical solutions. Since 2004, the Maui Center has been assisting companies in maximizing human potential in the workplace through executive coaching of leaders and their teams to build leadership capacity. Wow, that's a lot. (laughs) And I know you, you work with so many different people on so many different things, but what I really wanted to talk to you about today was the topic of strengths. And this was one of the first things that I heard you talk about was how everyone has their unique strengths and how in playing to our strengths, instead of focusing on our weaknesses, we're actually maximizing our potential and opportunity. So with all of that, can you give us a real broad overview as to what, what strengths are? Sure. Uh, great to talk about it. The, probably the organization that has done the most research uh, and is the most credible in this topic is Gallup. And Gallup has interviewed, at last count, probably close to 20 million people uh, to gather information about their strengths. And they continue to build their database of people that have taken their tool, the Strength Finders, which I'll talk about in a little while. But basically, um, through their research, they've determined that most people, and I will talk about adults at this point, but most people have several what they call strengths that the combination of which makes them, makes each of us unique. And they, they basically say there's usually a handful, five or six that um, among this group of strengths of about 42 that are very common in the, in the world and in adults uh, that we all possess several strengths that, that, 
really are things that come easy to us that we feel like we were sort of born with it and um, and that when we're using these these strengths or attributes, we feel kind of like we're operating in fifth gear. And so the strength philosophy is really one that causes us to sort of shift from the mindset that many of us grew up with in the Western world and especially in the US, which is when we went off to school, you know, we could be getting seven A's and one B and uh, we were encouraged to, to focus on the B, right? Um, rather than the A's. And of course, as one is learning in a general education environment, that's very important when we need to master certain certain skills and knowledge. But as we as we get older and we operate in the world, it's really, we find that people who use their strengths are most effective, they're most successful, and they're most contented. And so the strengths philosophy causes to sort of have to make a shift, to move from thinking of, instead of focusing on our weaknesses, that we focus on the things that we're actually naturally good at. Now, um, Gallup talks about, um, they call them talents. I call them, I like to think of strengths in two categories, one being innate and one being uh, manifesting. And they call innate strengths talents. And these are things that we are sort of just born with. Like we just, or we, we certainly, the, the research is that, that most of these strengths are really hardwiring us by the time we're three as a combination of our genetics and also of, uh, of our environment. And um, I always give an example of, I was a single mom for many years and um, my, had one son, my son Rob. And I can remember when Rob was about nine or 10 and we, were, we would get ready in the morning and he would, 10 or 15 minutes before we're supposed to go, he would gather up his things from his backpack. He would get his uh, baseball glove and he'd get his jacket and um, all the things he needed for school. And he would stand by the door, ready to go to the car uh, in plenty of time. When, and that was just about the time that I was loading the dishwasher <laughs> and um, doing multitasking, trying to get many things done. And finally, one day he said to me, mom, you don't, you don't allow for the last five or 10 minutes to get ready to go out the door. You think you're ready to go out the door when you just start. And um, I just was amazed at this nine or 10 year old. He did not learn time management from me. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it was just something that came innately to him, right? It was like as though it was wired into him, right? It was time management is not something that's wired into me. But I have other things that are wired into me, like I'm a collector. I love to collect recipes and I love to cut things out from newspapers and magazines and and I like to make a lot of lists. And ever since I can remember, I was I was a collector of information. So those are examples of sort of innate strengths or what Gallup would call talents. What makes a, a, an innate strength turn into a real strength or a manifested strength is investment of time and energy and honing of these talents into, into actually strengths. So 
Examples of strengths, um, there's basically the Gallup folks um, divide them into four different categories of strengths, but, uh, and the categories are strategic thinking, executing, influencing, and relationship building. So examples of some strengths are um, futuristic. Some people just automatically start thinking, oh, Lauren is Lauren's futuristic. Um, I always say, um, I think my husband's futuristic because we, we'll be on a trip and we'll be on the plane on the way home from the, the trip, the fabulous trip we've been on. And he's thinking about the next trip, right? He's always thinking about the next thing. Um, some people are historians where they don't think so much about the future, but what they're really good at is bringing the past in, into the present. Um, some people are really good with um, uh, connectedness and harmony with people, relationship building. Others people's have strengths of, of being a learner. I see that a lot in my, in my leadership coaching or being strategic, you know, being able to automatically kind of see a path forward and see how things connect and can be in replicable patterns. So these are what we call, these are what we mean by strengths or what I call manifested strengths. And so basically a strength is a talent that, that you invest time in or you've had a lot of practice and experience in and that turns into a strength. And what we wanna do is use strengths, identify our strengths and then use them as often as we can because if we, when we focus on our unique combination of strengths, A, that makes us an even more unique contributor to the world. And B, it makes us way more efficient. I know we didn't talk about this uh, prior to this conversation, but I have very recently, within the past month or so, taken the full Gallup Clifton Strengths um, personality assessment. Mm -hmm. And what landed in my top five were not what I expected. And it, oh. it took me, it took me aback and I'm like, well, hang on. But then I realized as, as I started learning more about learner is one of my top fives also. So as I started thinking about it and reflecting on it, it made sense that my top five were what they were because, and this is something you taught me, what we consider our strengths is what energizes us. And that's like what lights us up. And you, you mentioned fifth gear. That's like we're, when we're in the flow. So I'm going to lead that into another question. There are so many strengths finders, personality tests out there, which, which do you recommend and why? Well, as you said, this, the Clifton strength finders is, is one that's widely used. I think for people that are not familiar with this, uh, philosophy, I think the strength finder test is a really good place to start because it's very accessible. You can um, find it online or you can buy a book. And then when you buy a book, there's a code in the book and you just go to the website and put in the code. So it's very, it's, I think it's about $20. Um, and so it's very accessible. Also, it's, as I mentioned, it's, it's very highly validated. So, so that, you know, I always say when you take these kind of tests, you know, maybe 10 to 20% of things that come out in the test you're not going to agree with mm -hmm. and because no test is infallible. But in terms of the test being well-designed and being well-researched and validated by having so many people take it, I think it's, it's very good. The third reason I like it is, as you, as you just talked about, is that it gives us a language that's easy to use. It's, it's, there are words in that 
they use to describe the strength that by and large are words that most of us use most of the time. So things like having discipline or being an achiever or uh, having self-assurance. Now, there are some things that on the, there are words that need a definition a little bit like um, one is um, uh, uh, command, you know, well, what does that mean? Well, that in this language, that means presence, so like a commanding presence. But the other thing that's great about the test is that it, it gives this, you know, um, very descriptive report. You can get either a free or a very minimal report, or you can pay a little bit more money and get a very descriptive report. But either report has the descriptions of each characteristic in it. And so I think that using the language of that kind of test with others is, is very, very helpful. Um, of course, another test that's highly used a lot is the Myers-Briggs. And many people have taken the Myers-Briggs. Um, one has to be certified in order to debrief the Myers-Briggs. So it's not a test so much that someone can just take on their own. They have to find someone who is certified to be a debriefer and then they can take it. Um, but I think that's another very, very, very good test uh, in terms of helping us understand ourselves in terms of being an introvert or an extrovert, how we process information, how we, how we use our, um, how, we, how we make decisions. Um, and then the third, the third one I would say is that's also very common is the DISC. And the DISC is one that um, teams use and typically organizations will use the DISC. Um, the DISC is not as uh, thorough as the other tests, but again, to find, to have some words that, that one resonates with that one can use to describe themselves. I think that, I think the DISC is a good place to start as well. So when you are working with clients one-on-one -on -one or in the team setting, what, what do you tell them is the reason why they should even care about their strengths? Why, why is this something that we even do? And then what do you help them do once those strengths have been identified? Um, well, I think the, uh, the first reason that I want people to focus on their strengths is that I know that they will be, the more they focus on their strengths, the more efficient that they will be. They will be able to get more done. They will be able to, um, uh, they will be able to be even, one of the things that Gallup says is, is strengths allow you to be even more of who you are, which I, I love. You know, it's, it's sort of magnifying yourself. And again, what we've talked about earlier is, is this is a little hard to get used to, this, this concept at first, because especially when I have leadership coaching clients, they often think that what we're going to talk about in coaching is all the things that are wrong with them and all, and that we're going to work on fixing their weaknesses. And one of the first things I tell them is that we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're, we're going to focus on what makes them happy, what makes them energized, what makes them effective, what makes them efficient. And we're going to do whatever we can to turn up the volume on those things because that is what is going to help them be most successful. So if I'm working with an individual, we will take those leadership strengths that we've identified through these tools. And also um, oftentimes if I'm working in an extended coaching relationship, we'll do a 360 uh, interview process where I'll find, uh, find out from others what the leader's strengths are as well as opportunities for development. And then we'll put a plan together that says, 
how are they going to use these strengths most often and apply them very specifically to where they work and in their leadership role and in their, in their ability to lead others. If I'm working with a team, which I often do, I work with leadership teams as well, then um, the added benefit of using a strengths profile and a strengths approach is we can then take that information and help the team work more effectively together to say, okay, let's look at typical scenarios of this team and some of the challenges that you have on a regular basis and who should do what, you know, who should be involved in the beginning of the project? You know, who are the instigators? Who are the people that are strategic, that can think, that have vision, that think, you know, long-term? And then as you start to implement, who are the relationship builders that can pull other people in and, and influence other people and partner with other people? And then who are the implementers? Who are the people that are really good with the, with the facts and the responsibility and the, the organization? Um, and so when we are able to, to, to apply those strengths in those ways, the team suddenly becomes more efficient, more more energized, and they end up having, oftentimes they end up having a lot more fun. Do our strengths change over time? The, the short answer to that, if you would look at the information from Gallup is that basically no. Um, the, uh, the data pretty much is that, um, if we look at somebody when they're three and then we look at them when they're 26 and we look at them again when they're 50, about 80% of the strengths are going to be a thread throughout their whole lives. Now, there are some things that, some strengths that don't get used as much. And so they, in fact, I believe we took a, you took a test with me, another test I like called the Strengths Profile, which is out of the UK. And that profile talks about realized strengths and unrealized strengths. The realized strengths are strengths that we know we have and we use a lot. And unrealized ones are ones that we know we have, but we don't use them as often. And um, so sometimes over time, if we don't use a strength and invest time in developing it, we may not use it. But the chances of us developing another one or two over time um, it's not so great. And, you know, it really, it, it really takes sort of a lot of investment to, to really hone a strength. So, so typically they stay pretty much the same. When you're working with um, executives and these leadership teams, do you ever get any, I want to say pushback because this isn't, this isn't something we typically talk about as we're growing up or are taught in school. It's something that really, I think maybe in high school, college, but then definitely the workplace were introduced to these different concepts. So do you ever have to work with people who are set in their ways, if you will, and then um, kind of explain to them the benefit of all of this? I would say it's a, particularly with people um, in, in the baby boom generation, I would say it's a hurdle we have to overcome all of the time. <laughs> um, the Younger generations, I think there's more being introduced in schools and colleges about this concept now that it's, you know, um, becoming much more common. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think there, uh, now I also will say that, especially with 
people in leadership roles, if they have a really strong area where they're not very good at and it doesn't match up with the job, you know, we could call it a weakness or we could call it, you know, a lack of ability in certain ways. You know, definitely we have to work on things so that 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 doesn't become a barrier to success, right? So, so in coaching, do we work on areas that are not just strengths? Yes, because um, we don't want a leader to be derailed by something that they're not very good at and they haven't figured out what to do about that. You know, a weakness is something where we want to either figure out a way to use our strength to compensate for that and and um, and sort of use the strength creatively to compensate for weakness, or we want to figure, and especially with leaders, we want to figure out who are complementary people and staff around you who can make up for that deficit, right? So, so I don't want to imply that we don't pay attention to areas of challenge or weakness because definitely we have to do that. It's just that we want to that that. Um, spending all of our time on that is not very efficient um, and isn't, as we've talked about, is not very energizing. So we want to figure out how to use those strengths to make up for those deficits as much as possible. We've been talking a lot about the workplace and the professional setting. Are there benefits to knowing the strengths of, let's say, your family unit or friends or different people that you spend time with outside of work? Absolutely. I, I think it's really, really, well, once you, once, once you start to think that way, it's very hard to not impose that on people in your personal life anyway. I mean, even if they don't take the test, you think, oh, that person's, person's exhibiting strategic skills or <laughs> that person's really a relationship builder or, um, you know, that's, that guy's such an achiever, you know? So, um, I mean, I know I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you know, a little extreme in this because this is the work I do all the time, but I think, no, I think it's really helpful because, and I think it's really helpful um, with children and with, um, adolescents, you know, because um, there's so much, particularly in adolescents, there's often, you know, issues of lack of confidence um, and, um, and uh, emerging interests, um, um, sometimes conflicting interests. And I think the more we can do to really help people that we love focus on what they're good at, pursue that as much as possible as a, an area of study. And, uh, and also of course, match that up with what we see in terms of careers. Um, I think that, that we're really doing them a great service um, because I think sometimes people feel um, that they should go into a certain kind of field or profession, maybe, you know, maybe because they come from a family with certain influences that way. And I really think we should try as much as possible to go with careers that build on what we feel energized by and interested in and, and confident in. That makes absolute sense. And you were sharing the story earlier about um, the trip and your husband being futuristic. And that resonated with me. And sometimes it's an 
challenge because I get caught for not living in the moment. So like, what would your advice be for something like that? Would it be stick with your strength or try to live more in the moment? Because I've heard conflicting things. Well, I definitely think you should live with your strengths, work with your strength, but you know, there are, there are five or six. And so, you know, you know, I will say to you that um, there are people that talk, coaches that talk quite a bit about overuse strengths um, and the fact that there are situations where we can overuse a strength. I don't spend a lot of time on that because I find it comparatively so rare to the issue of not using strength enough that I don't spend a lot of time there. But I would say that if you're, if you've been getting some feedback or you're, you're sensing that maybe that's something that is kind of your default, you know, that, that that's the first thing you go to. And sometimes you act on it. I would say like, look at your, you look at the other strengths and say, you know, are there others that maybe I could use instead sometimes, or use them a little bit more than, than that one. Um, I also think another phrase that I think you've heard me use is that I think it's really another advantage of talking about strengths is I think it's good when we can announce ourselves, right? When we can say, oh, that's my futuristic part coming out of me, you know? <laughs> and um, we, can have, we can have a conversation about that, but that's where that's coming from, right? And so that when we announce ourselves that way, um, it, it helps others feel more comfortable with us. Um, now, in terms of the being in the moment part, um, sure. I mean, should we all try more to be in the moment? Yes, that's true. But I also think that, you know, you, if, if futuristic is a part of who you are, you know, you're going to always be one of those people that's on the forefront and the uh, explorer and, uh, you know, the, um, uh, looking out on the, the scout, right. And, and who, we don't want that to stop. We need people in the world like that, right? You know, that are looking ahead. That makes a lot of sense. And thank you. That makes me, that makes me feel good. You mentioned confidence earlier and as, especially as it relates to children, adolescents and the lack of confidence. When I work with some clients who are, who are women, they also are experiencing lack of confidence in several different arenas. How can identifying our strengths and really playing to our strengths um, help us become more confident? Oh, that's a wonderful question. And uh, it, I, I can't, I guess I, I cannot imagine developing a really uh, solid base of confidence if it's not strength-based. I mean, we have to know ourselves, right? We have to, we have to know who we are, we have to know how, how we're wired, what, what makes us energized, what makes us joyful, uh, what make, how we work the best. And when we, when we have those identified, and then when we have a language to be able to explain that to others, and also a way to remind ourselves of it, as we were just talking about, that helps inform them what we need around us. I think all of those combined is what really increases confidence. Um, and there are a lot of stereotypes that we're all still dealing with in the workplace around what, what constitutes um, 
success, what constitutes leadership. And um, I, I feel like the way that those barriers are going to be broken and those, those changes are going to be made is by really extreme self-knowledge and then proclaiming what we need in order to be uh, successful and to allow our talents to emerge. Can you talk a little bit about, in your experience, what you think success and leadership are? Leadership is really the talent and ability to, to get wonderful things done by others. I love that definition. I have not heard that before. That's great. <laughs> and, um, you know, one of my taglines in my, in my business is that I say, um, I'm changing the world one leader at a time. Uh, because I feel like when I work with one leader in an organization, it's like the pebble in the pond. I mean, when, when a leader becomes successful and grounded and really good at empowering others in, um, in a noble goal, um, the ripple effects go way beyond even just that immediate team, but they go into the entire organization, they go into the community, and I believe they go into the world. Um, so it's really honing that, uh, that ability to empower, engage, uh, create a vision, um, encourage, uh, mentor, develop others so that one's own influence then is ripples out to, to others. Um, and that more and more magnificent things get done. Um, I, I had, you know, I'm sure you, you have this too. I, I have these little revelations once in a while. And last week I was talking to a client. Uh, oh, she's a physician leader and we were finishing her coaching. And I, um, so I always check in, you know, and how they're doing. And we were talking about this coming to an end. And, and I said, so how do you think you're doing? I mean, now that we've, you know, we're kind of towards the end. And she said, well, my team is doing great. So I guess I must be doing okay. <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, I forget about that sometimes, but that's absolutely right. I mean, the way to judge a leader's effectiveness is through the effectiveness of their team. Absolutely. How about success? There's a lot of definitions of success and ideas of success. Um, and especially, I think, if you could tailor it toward, toward women and females and how success may possibly be defined for our group. Right. Yeah, and this is an ongoing um, continual challenge. Um, I always start with leaders with a bit and I ask them to develop a vision and that vision starts with their own personal vision what do they want to achieve um, in the next you know three to five years and then if they are leading a team then we move into develop taking that and then developing that into a strategic vision for the team I think that um, one of the um, the things that I personally had to come to grips with as I developed my own definition of success through the years is that I define success for myself as a pie. And there's different parts of my pie. There's my 
my work in my in living out my career in my my profession and then there's my health and then there's my relationships and my marriage and my avocation my my creativity my my uh, spirituality and it, sometimes it's a pie and sometimes it's a mobile but if if one of those pieces gets off out of whack then it throws off the whole balance right and the fact that i've been able to be successful in that and then and grounded and happy in my life in that way um, has helped me be able to take that philosophy to others, particularly women. Because I do think that women typically do have a more multifaceted definition of success. And that if they're, um, if, if the rest of, if the other parts of their lives are not in balance, it's very hard to stay focused and in balance with one's work. Right. And when that balance is right, the energy is boundless, right? The and the and the capacity is boundless. But we oftentimes get um, uh, constricted by expectations, by practices, by rules, by you know, that that put limits on that ability to have that multi-dimensional approach but i think it's i think it's the key to the future <laughs> i really do i think we all have to figure this out and hopefully covid is going to shine a light on that and the way we've dealt with the pandemic because people have been able to be incredibly successful and pivot very quickly to be able to do work in innovative and novel ways and not not so locked in to certain patterns or places um, or timeframes. And I hope that we will take the lessons that we've learned from this time and be able to apply them going forward. How have you seen um, COVID change, change your line of work and in working with coaching clients and teams? Uh, well, I would say that there's two categories of that. One is the actual work with clients and it's been amazing to me that the relationships that I have with my clients and the ability that we've had to have success in their leadership development has not been affected at all. It's, it, we haven't skipped a beat. Everybody just moved right to virtual and um, people don't seem to mind it at all. And my clients have been doing great. Uh, the second part of my business is the marketing and the networking. And that's the part that I feel sometimes the most sad about because I don't get to be out, you know, seeing people where they work, um, meeting their colleagues and their bosses and going to um, uh economic development meetings and um, having lunch and coffee with people and speaking out in large groups and um, going to conferences like you and I go to together. And um, I really miss it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I feel very homesick for that. <laughs> and um, fortunately, it really hasn't impacted the baseline of my business 
uh, as I said, and, and particularly on the delivery, but, but um, it, it, uh, it's been, that's where the biggest challenge for me has been. Yeah, that makes, that makes absolute sense, especially in this, in this line of work. You mentioned the pandemic shining light on different things and having people, you know, look at things in a different way. I've noticed through conversations with people, it seems like this experience made them want to focus on those things that made them happy or they, you know, they realize that, that, you know, life could be short and I'm not sure what comes tomorrow. So I want to do what makes me happy today. And that's how some of these conversations have got, gotten started, which I think is really, really interesting. Have you found that with some of your clients or people you work with? Definitely. Yes, definitely. And both the, both in the, I would say that the, the content and the method, right? Like, so that, you know, people, a, a common thing I hear is people being so grateful that they have more time to exercise, right? And then, and they have figured out how to build that into their, their day. And um, some, in many cases, multiple times a day, which is, you know, really, really important for their health and their mental health and their, and also their productivity. Um, but that's an example of something that, that oftentimes gets sidetracked or, or minimized because of the expectations that, um, the workplace or that we the ourselves have put on ourselves about that, mm -hmm. uh, about putting a certain amount of hours and things like that. Um, I also think that people have been very, a kind of delighted and pleased with the change in the schedule, you know, to, to say some people get up and they, they go to work for a while and then they, they take a break like maybe from 11 to two and they exercise and they eat lunch and maybe take a little nap and then they go back and they work for a while and then maybe they'll even do supper and then they'll go back later again. But there's a delight in that ability to manage that yourself that's not imposed from the outside. And um, I, I think that a lot of people are, are going to have a difficult time having to give that up if they have to. Yeah. Flexibility and control can do, can do a lot for someone's well-being. Absolutely. And right. that's a lot of what I want to do. And when I say take control of your life, I don't mean it in an aggressive type of way, but find out your strengths, find out about yourself, find those things that make you happy and then do the best that you can to make those things a reality. <laughs> well, and I, I, you know, I've been so, so, fortunate. I've had my own business since 2004. And, um, so I make my own hours. And as I alluded to earlier, um, time management, because time management isn't one of my best things. I'm not, I'm not all that great about, you know, doing early morning meetings. And, um, I always said when I was working in the healthcare system. And I always said that when they told me I had to start going to 7.30 a.m. bioterrorism meetings, I knew it was time for me to leave. Because <laughs> that was just a really bad combination, right? And, um, but, you know, the fact that I can make my own hours, I can, uh, you know, I can start my day. I start my day actually pretty early, but I don't, I don't go into actually office until mid-morning. But what man, you know, once I do, 
I'm great for the rest of the day, but that morning time is really precious for me. And I think a lot of people are finding that out, that they, they're finding their rhythms, you know, their, their times of day that they work the best. And should we all have that? That would be awesome if, we could, if everyone could have that. I think there's so much power in having that knowledge because it, it does, it helps you become more efficient, more effective, you feel better. And then, you, you know, when those, those peak areas or those peak times are up, you can work at your full potential and then you can take, you know, a step back when you need to. But the first step is having that knowledge about yourself and yes. knowing what those strengths are and knowing what those um, attributes are. So. If you're comfortable, would you mind sharing what your top strengths are? Oh, sure. Um, well, my first one is maximizer. And I'll tell you a story about that one. Maximizer means uh, taking something that's good and making it great. And I had never heard that term before. And I didn't actually, I didn't take the strength finders until after I started my business. And uh, a friend of mine uh, who's a coach uh, talked, debriefed it with me. And she said, think about, think about how that applies to your career up until now. And when I thought back at the most, the most times that I felt most fulfilled and that I was most successful were when I went into situations where there was something already formed, but, but it hadn't turned into something great yet. And I made it great. I made it grow. I hired great people. Uh, I took it to market and we made a lot of money, you know, um, and now here I was going into the field of coaching, which is the epitome of, of maximizing. Um, I'm also very strategic. I tend to look at things. If there's a problem to be solved with an individual thing, I tend to look at it and approach it from, okay, if we fix this, then, then when it's, we can replicate it. Right. So I see things in, in patterns. And I also tend to see, I tend to look at things as to how they apply now and then how they'll apply going forward if it gets bigger or larger. Um, communicator is another, another one um, of mine, I'm a strong communicator, communication. Um, uh, and then um, input is the, the one I talked about earlier where I like to collect things. And then positivity which is another one that's really good for being a coach <laughs> because I tend to see things, you know, very, very optimistically with my clients. I just tend to see them as, as just potential balls of fire. And, and uh, <laughs> so I go into every, every uh, relationship with my clients that way. What I love about the strengths finder is they're all such positive attributes or, or strengths, if you will, they're just, they're just different. It's just different definitions of different talents, but they're all good things when you read the definitions, which, which I love about it. I know we're running out of time, Carolyn. So I have um, two more questions for you. Okay. If someone wants to find you or reach out to you or connect with you or learn more, how do they go about doing that? Wonderful. Well, the easiest way if people don't remember the rest of the contact information is the name of my, my, uh, business is the Maui Center, M-A-U-E-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. And if you go to the website, there is a form to fill out uh, how to um, how to get started, it's called. 
And so if somebody wants to be in touch, they can go to the website and they can fill out the form. I'm also on LinkedIn and I'm also um, on Facebook, both Carol and Maui and Maui Center. And um, I will also give you my email address, Carolyn at Maui Center, that's M-A-U-E-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. Wonderful, thank you. And then the last question is, when do you feel the most confident? I feel the most confident when I am talking to somebody else, usually a, a leader that I'm coaching, but when I'm, when I'm talking with them about what makes them happiest, like when, when they feel the most successful, when they feel the most joy, I love having conversations with people because my mom taught me from a very early age that we are all, every single one of us is, is different. And we all have our own special gifts to bring to the world. And that was, that was embedded in me from the time I can remember. And it's really my philosophy. It's the, it's my job to, to help others bring out their unique gifts and their unique view on the world um, because that's that's what I do and that's that's what I'm supposed to do. So I'm happiest when I'm having those conversations. I love that so much. <laughs> thank you, Carolyn. Thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you, Lauren. It's always wonderful to talk to you and see your beautiful face. You as well. Thank you so much for listening and check out the next episode when it comes out. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Graceful Confidence podcast. If you know someone who could benefit from this podcast, please go ahead and share it with them. Encourage them to like and follow this podcast so they know when new episodes are launching. Thank you again and we'll talk soon.